Join Sam and Caleb, two former college roommates turned great friends, as they revisit their former Christian lives and beliefs. This podcast seeks to explore theological ideas and Christian traditions that they wrestled with and experienced during their formational years. Welcome to the Exvangelical Ex-Roommates Podcast. What becomes of the two? Welcome to the Exvangelical Ex-Roommate Podcast. Our theme music is If We Rust, generously provided by Andrew Massey and the Midnight Americans. Andrew Massey and the Midnight Americans are a rock and roll band influenced by 2000s indie rock, along with blues, soul, and classic rock. To support Andrew and the Midnight Americans, visit their Bandcamp at amma.bandcamp.com. You can also visit Andrew's website at andrew-massey.com. That's M-A-S-S-E-Y dot com. So Sam, here it is. We, you and I, are the ex-evangelical ex-roommates, and we've started this podcast. This is episode number one. Tell me a little bit about the show. Let's start first by talking about why we're doing this. Right. Okay. Yes. So uh, we, uh, Caleb and myself, Sam, we are... Uh, former roommates, we both went to college at Seattle Pacific University, which is an evangelical college in Seattle. We are no longer evangelicals. We both uh, went astray sometime after college. And uh, yeah, neither one of us has really been in that world in a long time. And most of our friends are not evangelical Christians. We don't go to church. We don't read the Bible. Uh, and we, you know, yeah, we're just great, great, great sinners. Uh and we, we, you know, sometimes when we, uh, when we catch up, we talk about the old days and we just, we thought there was a, a lot of interesting things to talk about there. And we kind of want to dip back into that world and try to, you know, um, just, yeah, think about these topics from the perspective of, uh, you know, now 30 year old ex evangelical Christians. Um, totally right. Almost as if we are tour guides to our former lives and I think it, yes, and, I really like the tour guide metaphor there. That's that's good. And I think Sam, as uh, the proverbial tour guides of this of this uh, podcast, I think it's a great way for us to help people understand maybe the people who may not have grown up, grown in the fold, as it were, Sam, yeah. uh, a part of the flock, to really help them understand maybe what evangelicals are experiencing and believing. Um, you know, throughout various churches while they grew up, or or even right. you know, if they have evangelical friends and they don't understand their beliefs fully, right, right, exactly, yeah. There's, I the way I'm thinking about it, there's kind of three types of people. There are the people who have no, you know, experience with even they didn't grow up evangelicals. Me, obviously, if you're an American, you're going to be aware of evangelical Christianity given its mm. prevalence in right. politics and in the culture. But, you know, yeah, maybe you you don't know much about it and you'd like to find out about it from people that you can trust. And, you know, um, given that we are no longer. You, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we're we've been in both. You know, we've been evangelicals. Now we're not. So we we understand both sides. Um, and if you're you know, if you are an evangelical Christian, then you'll also you'll also want to listen to this podcast because, you know, you're going to want to know why we left. Right. If you're, you know, um trying to figure out what's, uh, you know, what's, what's driving the kids away from, from church these days. This will be, 
hopefully a window into that. Uh, and if you're like us and you're ex-evangelicals, then you know this will be this is the podcast for you. You're gonna gonna hear from a couple of couple of people who have been through what you've been through. And uh, sure, yeah, I think Sam, it's important to note that um, as far as intentions go, you and I don't really have any you know big objectives or intentions for this podcast. We're not trying to no. change anyone's mind. Um, no, no, know, no. And and by no means are we attempting to um, confront, uh, w- well, personally, we're trying to confront issues we dealt with, but we are not trying to, you know, take those beliefs to task in order to try and make them change, change their minds about certain theologies that they've ascribed to throughout their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's possible that we will we'll poke a little fun. I, I, I'm a little hesitant to promise that there won't be any of that. But, you know, sure, I've, sure. I've changed my mind on many things. I've, you know, I, I've, I've thought many, um, I've had a lot of beliefs at various points in my life that I think, you know, were probably not totally well supported. So, you know, um, we're definitely, we're, hopefully we're coming at this from a place of humility. And, uh, right. I think it is worth just saying upfront, you know, where, where we are right now in terms of our, you know, uh, are we Christians? Are we atheists? Are we agnostics? Just so people, you know, just so we're transparent about where we're coming from. So, right. uh, right. yeah. So Caleb, what would, how would you describe your, uh, your religious affiliation or lack thereof right now? Sure, sure. Uh, I I would um, if I had Sam. I don't like labels. Yes, I I know, I know. If you had to, like, you know, gun to your uh, head, what? Well, then I would I would definitely say um, I, I do consider myself an agnostic, and I actually okay. like to tell uh, my uh, my Christian friends that I am a cautious agnostic. Um, and we'll talk about a little, you know, we'll t- later yeah. in this episode we'll talk about how I I came to that position, but. Yeah, agnostic, cautious agnostic. Some people might consider me an atheist, but uh, yeah, personally, I feel like all those terms are kind of um, fluid in some sense. But to so to, to define it for our listeners, as an agnostic, personally, I feel like um, I, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if yeah. we could prove there's a God. I kind of doubt we could prove there is the existence of a God, uh, but I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, so, so I'm kind of in this nebulous gray area of, yeah. well, there's no proof and, but I, but it's not like I, I wouldn't want a God to exist. So that's kind of my stance. Sam, what yeah. about you? I also have a little bit of a hard time saying what I am. I think in some sense, I would consider myself an atheist. I think that like, if you asked me to bet on whether there exists a God, I would, mm. I would bet that there is no God. I, mm. I don't know exactly how much money I would put, but I, you know, I think I'm I'm more confident. It, I'm more confident that there is not a god than um, I don't know exactly how confident I am, but I'm I'm more than fifty fifty on whether there's a god. Sure. Uh, I, but I also don't really think that I know whether there is. Even though I'm, you know, I, I'm somewhat confident that there is no god. I, I think it is a really difficult question, and mm. so and I've changed my mind about this. So. In a sense, I'm an agnostic because I don't claim to know one way or the other. Um, And I I guess I would also say, uh, to echo something that you said, I I do hope that there is a God. I I mean, there are certain visions of of God and of 
uh, eschatology that you get in evangelical Christianity that I hope are not true. Right. But there are versions of Christianity that I find really appealing. So, yeah, hopefully that's crystal clear now. We've gotten our biases out on the table, <laughs> and now we can just go ahead and talk about all these things, and you don't have to worry about any of that. Right, and I think it's it's a it's excellent for us to put that out there immediately. Uh, maybe we should have done that ten minutes ago. Uh, we're ten minutes into our first yeah. episode, but uh, so we gave you a little we're little surprise there, a little yeah. bait and switch. Uh, but yeah, uh, but we do. So those are our biases. Uh, but again, just to revisit kind of my disclaimer earlier, um, our the spirit, the spirit, Sam, you like that? Uh, the nice, spirit nice. in which um, we will conduct our conversations on this podcast will be we will be respectful we are you know there will be some barbs here and there but we are really just seeking to have honest conversations about our experiences in the evangelical christian faith yes so with with all of that said sam we talked about why we're doing this uh we talked about that we were college roommates at spu by the way just as an aside note um i hated sam probably i don't know three quarters of our first year we lived together is that right Three quarter. Okay. Wow. That's I, I, I thought we hated each other for the first quarter. Uh, okay. That was, that's right. I think you're right. You're right. It yeah. was a long quarter. It was a long, it, it did feel like a, a very long quarter. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I think, I think we only hated each other for the first quarter. And then we had a con, we had one of those, uh, pillow talks. Come to, come to Jesus uh, conversations. Yeah. And actually mostly about sexuality, uh, at the oh. start of our of our winter quarter, and I feel like that was a turning point. I don't I don't think that we were friends at that point, but things mm. started to improve. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know if we want to get into the details of this conversation, but um, maybe we do. I don't remember it, but I'd love to hear about it later okay. in our second episode. Yes, uh, wow, but, nice way to tease. Yeah, uh, you like that. that? Yeah, yeah, but. But to do to to be clear, hate is a strong word. I never hated you, but Sam was uh, yeah. Sam was Sam and I had opposite sleep schedules, so we were kind of yeah. doing different things at different times. <laughs> yeah, I was and, a total night owl then, which I'm not at all now. So right, um, right, it, and uh, but now Sam and I are great friends, and I right. I just love having these conversations with you, and that is why that's really yeah. the root of why we're starting starting this is. You know, we love exploring these issues together. So, so yes. we already t- we talked about some of the um, uh, reasons why we're doing this. Let's talk about some of the the topics we might cover and the format of our episodes. Yeah. All right. So uh, our first uh, our first topic, w- which Caleb hinted at, is going to be sexuality. So I teased out. Yeah. You, nice. Um, so and. and the way that the the podcast is going to work, uh, we'll have seasons, and we'll, we'll each season will have one overarching topic, and it's going to be some big topic like sexuality. Uh, so the first episode of the season, we will have an open ended discussion. We'll talk about you know what were we told about sexuality growing up, you know what did we believe, uh, kind of our our experiences, you know all of that stuff, right? And then and we'll try to identify you know various threads that we can pursue further. So when we, we have, we've had these conversations before and we'll be, you know, drawing connections between what Christians think about premarital sex and what they think about homosexuality or masturbation. 
And a lot of times, you know, we're like, oh, that's an interesting connection that we don't really pursue it much further. So we're thinking with the podcast, it will kind of, it will give us an opportunity to try to, to dig into these topics in a little more depth. Uh, I should say that we're not experts on most of the things that we're going to be talking about. We're mm. interested in theology and, in, in, um, you know, uh, what, what other topics are we, sexuality? Uh, yeah, the, so that that's going to be our first series. But, you know, yeah. Sam, we our conversations range uh, the spectrum of talking right. about anything from predestination to, uh, you know, are all Abrahamic religions essentially the same religion, um, yeah. you know, is is the is the God of the um, uh, is the God of the Christians the same as, you know, other religions, that sort of thing. Right, so, right, right. You know, we'll talk about. Uh, maybe we'll get funky and talk about uh, music and art and Christianity. I yep. mean, the possibilities are endless. They are, so, yeah. So we're really excited, and uh, I would like to also uh, set out that disclaimer that we are, we indeed are not theologians, and uh, we just have a, a passion for deep, impactful conversation, authentic conversations with other people, especially right. people in your life that matter. Um, so that's kind of that is kind of our new podcast in a nutshell and we're yeah. super thrilled to have all of you along for the ride and thank you for bearing with us while we work out these kinks we are not professional podcasters no. we are not professional entertainers sam nope. might be he's getting a doctorate in philosophy so he's very very witty very charming yeah yeah i just recorded a lecture recently on the problem of evil and yeah i was very charming in that theodicy yes that's yeah. another great topic we will discuss we, in this yeah we should have a, a season on theodicies and oh i should mention our so our second season is going to be on hell mm, which right. i think if you introduce hell into the world that, that makes the problem of evil a lot worse but it, we'll, we'll talk more about this sure sure so, all right, here we are. We've we've laid the groundwork for the podcast. Yeah. Now, before we actually get on with our show, uh, all of you beautiful listeners that we've now acquired in the millions. Oh, yeah. Uh, we wanted to, before we actually get into any of our content, uh, we thought we'd give uh, each of our kind of backgrounds and how we ended up where we are today and kind of what that means for us in our current life. So, Sam... Give me the backstory of who Sam Fullhart is. I want to know about how you grew up. You know, were you in the church? What were your beliefs in the church? Tell me about your family's faith and and kind of what brought you to your current state of um, atheism slash agnosticism today. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a small town in Oregon called Sisters. Uh, it was a pretty conservative town. I think it's. I say was because. A lot of people have moved uh, since I was there, and it's not quite as conservative, but pretty conservative town. Uh, a lot, most people went to church. Uh, I grew up going to a little. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it was probably the biggest church in the town, um, a uh, non-denominational church, um, and non-denominational, I think of as equivalent to evangelical. Um, so I went to an evangelical church. Uh, you know, all through high school, I would, uh, you know, go to church on Sunday. Uh, in middle school and high school, I would go to youth group on Wednesdays. For some of this time, I was in Bible studies. Uh, I, I read uh, a lot of the Bible. Um, you know, once I was in, probably in middle school, I started reading the Bible. 
I, I certainly believed growing up. I do remember as a young kid worrying about whether I believed enough. You know, sometimes I would, uh, I, I remember as a, as a little kid uh, asking Jesus into my heart repeatedly because, um, so as an evangelical Christian, you're taught that the way to, to be saved from, you know, from sin and from hell is to ask uh, God for forgiveness and to invite Jesus into your heart. And I, I worry that I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't sufficiently convicted when I asked Jesus into my heart. You know, I wasn't contrite enough. I wasn't sincere enough. So I would do this over and over again. Um, I, I think uh, when I, I guess when I got to, at some point in, in middle school or high school, I was reading the Bible. I found a lot of it pretty disturbing. There are places in the Old Testament where God commands uh, the Israelites to kill entire groups of people just to take mm. their land. Um, and uh, so I found that really disturbing. Um, you know, I, I was really interested in evolution and intelligent right. design, that whole debate in high school. I, I was I was a big proponent of intelligent design. I thought there were various things that evolutionary theory couldn't explain. Um, I think when I got to college, was when things started to unravel. I I became convinced that evolutionary theory could explain how um, you know how we got to where we are today in terms of uh, you know the various species that we find. I didn't think that that meant that there was no God, but in, in terms of the evangelical Christianity Christianity that I grew up in, um, it was kind of assumed that you you know. You weren't supposed to to believe that humans evolved, you know, from uh, from other life forms, um, and, and you know, and say, yeah. Can you clarify why that's the case in evangelical Christianity? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think part of it has to do with wanting to read the Bible um, in a very uh, quote unquote literal way. So, um, and I think the basic idea is that. As a Christian, you should just be able to pick up the Bible, and if it says that something happened, then that thing happened. So if it says that God created the world in six days, then God created the world in six days. If it says that God, you know, created Adam out of the dust, then that's how humans were created. So, you know, in order to accept both uh, Christianity and the truth of evolution, you have to think that there's some less straightforward way of reading those passages in Genesis. Does that, I don't know, does that, that's my, that's my take on this. Do you, do you agree? Does that make sense? I, I was going to say, I, I guess the way that I had viewed it was it degrades the, maybe the purpose of God's quote unquote creation. Um, it, it muddies the water of, you know, the grand, the grand design and, and um, yeah, the, the sort of the meaning of man and being in relationship with God because we came from quote unquote beasts, right? Or, like we're not you know, as special if we were just we come from the same precisely. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's my understanding, but I, I think your your understanding is is also accurate. But I do want to point out that you know not all evangelical Christians are literal. Uh, read the read something like Genesis literally. Yeah. It, and um, at, on that point, at our college, at SPU, there were many professors who 
I assume identified as evangelical Christian. They had to sign a statement of faith in order to teach there, and many of them believed uh, in evolutionary theory. So, mm-hmm. but for me, I mean, that was part of. I think that was at least part of how things started to to unravel a little bit. I, I also think, you know, um, culturally there were a lot of things I didn't like in evangelical Christianity. I didn't like a lot of Christian um, music, Christian art. Uh, I liked a lot of secular uh, secular art. Uh, you know, on, on various political issues, I was starting to think that evangelical Christian Christianity was just wrong. Like, I hmm. started to think that there was nothing wrong with being gay or with being in a relationship with someone of the same sex. And then I I also think that studying philosophy. You know, I started to, to and, and I think I, I had had a lot of these uh, these doubts uh, since I was younger, but I just really started to worry about things like whether, you know, given the amount of suffering in the world, like, is it really plausible to think that all of this was created by a perfect being? Um, and yeah, I don't know. Right. There, there were a lot of, I, we, we can go into to more uh, later, but just, I think those are some of the things that I think, you know, help drive me away from evangelical Christianity. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's excellent. Just a, a couple of uh, immediate follow-up questions I, I would have for you. Yeah. Just because I'm curious, I can't remember. Uh, were you, were you raised, um, was your family a when they read the Bible? Would they interpret it literally? So something like the gen, the uh, creation story is that were you yeah. raised to view that as a six say, or a, a seven day literal? Uh, the seventh day rests. <laughs> so a six day literal creation. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was a little bit complicated. I, I remember there were people in my church who thought that it didn't happen in literally six days. And I even remember okay. my pastor once talking about how. You, you didn't have to interpret a day as really being a 24-hour period. Sure. And, you know, it, a, a day could mean more like something like this was like a discrete period of time, but maybe it was like a thousand years or millions of years or whatever. Um, right. But I, I do remember like on our church website when there was like a, you know, these are the things that we as Sisters Community Church believe. There was a there was a section specifically on whether humans evolved from other, um, you know, from simpler organisms. And okay. uh, there was something that said that humans were created specially by God as like a separate act that was not part of, uh, you know, was not part of evol- evolutionary processes. So uh, that, that was like, that was pretty non-negotiable um, at my church. Right. So all of these these uh, kind of big, big topics um, in evangelical Christianity, which would be things like human sexuality, the existence yeah. of hell, how we read the Bible, uh, yeah. the Bible's the Bible's inerrancy. Yeah. Um, are these big topics that you were talking about at home with your parents and with your siblings or uh, were they kind of things that you had to navigate on your own through going to church? Yeah, I remember talking about some of these things. I mean, I I, I thought a lot about evolution and um, and I should I, I think I've used the word intelligent design a few times. I should just say for people who may not know, um, 
intelligent design is a view that um, at least various organisms or very, um, sorry, um, <laughs> um, not everything, not all life is the product of evolution. At least some things like the first humans were, were created by a designer through some other process. Like um, it could have, could be that God just like poofed these things into existence. I don't know. They usually don't go into a lot of the details, <laughs> um, but um, that, that there was like some special design that God did at some point during the process. And that's, yeah. Um, sure. So, so yeah, I remember talking, um, I remember talking with my mom about these things a lot. Both of my brothers are younger than me. So I, I didn't talk to them as much. And, and my dad was not as interested in talking about these things. I, I, I think, I, I mean, he wasn't really raised as a Christian and he, you know, I think he became a Christian. I, I think him, his conversion to Christianity was largely influenced by the fact that he was dating my mom and she was a mm. strong Christian. So, okay. um, uh, yeah, um, but but I and I, I remember talking with my friends a lot about these things. Most of my friends were Christians, and uh, yeah, there were some people in my church, you know, my pastor, other people who I saw as authorities on these subjects that I would sometimes talk to. Right, and so when you were growing up, uh, you know, still speaking high school and yeah. kind of lower age, um, how did you view your your Christian faith? Was it was it motivated by salvation? Was it motivated by potential damnation? Was it was it a a um, a positive force uh, for change in your life, or were you sim or did you feel like you were a Christian and had to believe because you were avoiding damnation? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't want to go to hell. Um, that that was definitely on my mind a lot, and mm. I. Yeah, I, I think that that was a huge part of the reason, you know, why I um, why I thought it made sense to be a Christian. You know, I mean, that I thought, um, yeah, you know, I was told that there was there was a God. I thought that made sense to me. I thought m most of what I heard about Christianity, about, you know, God, Satan, uh, you know, the where we were all heading, you know, I, I thought there was going to be a rapture at some point where sure. all the Christians are, uh, you know, taken up into heaven and then there's kind of the end times. Um, so yeah, I believe all of that, but I, I think in terms of like why, you know, why I went to church, why I, you know, had faith in God, I think a lot of it was driven by, you know, a fear of going to hell. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say exactly how much, how much it was had to do with that. I mean, you're you're also taught that God is like, you know, God loves you. He's mm -hmm. like he's this, you know, all good. He's the creator of the universe. So, you know, I, I think that those things all sound nice, and you know, it, it's not just the fear of of hell. It's also like you know, you want to be. You want to be, um, you know, uh, you want to be accepted by this this really great being. You want to be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you know, you all of that. So, uh, I, I yeah, I mean, it's like like heaven sounded 
uh, really great, and then hell sounded really bad. So um, it's kind of a no-brainer uh, that you're going to be right. uh, on God's side. And when you were younger and thinking about uh, thinking about those two those two views in in Christianity, you know, uh, one is you know you have this creator who wants to be in relationship with you. And uh, the second is that there's this, there's an existence, uh, there there exists a place called hell where you could potentially go if you yeah. are not in a good relationship with your creator. Um, mm-hmm. Did you view that when you're younger as this uh, difficult dichotomy to understand, or or when, since you were younger, did it were you able to just kind of glaze it over and say, well, this is what I'm being taught. It it makes sense, um, yeah. you know, from from the context with within which I'm learning this. I remember having some questions from an early age. The first memory that that comes to mind, like the, the earliest memory. So um, my great grandpa died in 1997 when I was six years old and he was not a Christian. He was openly mm-hmm. not a Christian. You know, I think he would consider himself probably an atheist. And, and at this point I was aware of hell and, you know, given what I believed, I had to think that my great grandpa Everett was in hell and that was really disturbing. And I, and I also remember my dad saying that he just could not accept that his grandpa was, you know, burning in hell right now. Right. Right. So yeah, that, I mean, that that was kind of yeah I, I maybe maybe i thought about it before then but that like when you know someone and you love them and then they die and then like given what you believe you know you have to think that they are you know suffering horrendous you know torment in hell right now like that's just a really for me that was like an incredibly disturbing thought and I also remember as, as I got older, you know, and I, I talked to, I had some non-Christian friends. Um, I had a really good friend named Brett who was, you know, um, at least by my lights, he was not a Christian. And yeah, just thinking like, unless Brett uh, converts, he's going to go to hell. Like that was just so horrifying to me. And it wasn't like I didn't, I mean, for a while, I, I still believed it. Um, it, I think it, it, you know, I was super motivated to try to get these people to believe. Um, but you know, I also definitely thought like, huh, that, that, gee, that seems really unfair. Like I, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, I think when I was younger, I just thought, well, God has his reasons. I may not understand what they are, but who am I to question yeah, God? God works right. in mysterious ways. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The Lord works in mysterious the ways. Lord works. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I, I guess I would uh, not to chime into your story time, but yeah, yeah. But I would, I would just immediately respond to, to that. Um, you know, when when I when I was growing up, um, it's just interesting to look at the way how it's interesting to realize how your views of things can change over time. So for instance, uh, when I was little and I knew about, you know, the existence of hell and the knew of the existence of hell and the existence of my loving creator, yeah. I didn't view it as this 
abrasive dichotomy. Like it just made sense to me. Um, oh really? Well, did, you know, did it seem unfair, or you you, you just thought? Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't say that I thought it was unfair. I mean, it was all I knew. It's what I'd been taught. So yeah, of course, my parents wouldn't would not teach me something that was unfair. And of course, yeah, a loving God wouldn't do something that was unfair. So it was never right. a this abrasive dichotomy to me. Which of course, so, fast forward, fast yeah. forward, you know, whatever twenty five years to today. Th- so I'm thirty years old. Yeah. Um, you know, now I look at that and I'm like, you know, it's it's just a complete non sequitur. It just doesn't even, it's worlds apart. Yeah, yeah. So let's, why don't we shift to, uh, let's just get into your backstory. So you, so you said that you were, you were taught to believe in hell from your parents. So could you maybe say a little bit about what your, you know, what, what was your, what was your family life like growing up? Were your parents strong Christians? Did you regularly attend church? What was, what was the role, you know, what was the role of Christianity in your life? And what did, what did you think about all of this? Right. So, um, yes, my parents were, uh, my parents were and are extremely strong, steadfast, devoted Christians, evangelical Christians. Um, you know, I grew up in the evangelical world, uh, specifically in the Methodist church for like the first half of my life first half of my religious life. Was it Methodist or free Methodist? uh, Methodist. Methodist. And Sam, do you know the difference between Methodist and free Methodist? I knew it at one point. I I know SPU was a free Methodist university, but how about you tell me and the listeners? (laughs) Fun, fun trivia fact. (laughs) And someone should probably check me on this, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. Uh, The, the only difference between Methodist and free Methodist well, and there's probably like now theological differences. Sure. I don't know when they made the split, but the reason the church split, or the reason the denomination split was because people could reserve pews with heaters or like pews at the front. They could pay extra oh. for, I think, pews with heaters or like priority seating. And then so... Wait, which the, which church let you do... Or they both... Sorry, there was the, just one the, Methodist church and they were letting y- people do this. Right. Correct. And okay. yeah, I should have specified that. No, and then, I was just being so, dumb. So then the free Methodist broke apart and said, well, that's crazy. Like everything, <laughs> you know, I don't know if their name has anything to do with it, but you know, it should be free or whatever. I don't know. You shouldn't get to pay for your seat in church or whatever it is, but so you I grew really up in ho- the church that was big on class hierarchy, uh, high yeah. class, listen, yeah. high class surrounded by these low life, Sam. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh. Uh, but, but no, I did grow up sitting in the front row oh. of the of the sanctuary every single Sunday of my life. My dad is a pastor. Um, he's an ordained oh. Methodist pastor. Um, was he the head pastor? He was the head pastor okay. uh, for my entire life. Um, so uh, we started out, like I said, we started out in the in the Methodist church. And then um, for the bulk of like my formational years in roughly elementary school through high school, well, and through college, uh, my dad was then in a non-denominational church, kind of still in the Methodist conference, but it represented a a, a little broader range of views and whatnot. But oh, so anyway, okay. to to bring it back, that's sort of my church experience as far as what kind of church I grew up in. Um, devout Christians, like I said, dad's a pastor, mom's a pastor's wife. She she was doing she was a teacher, but she did like all the. Uh, the VBS props for for those of you who don't know VBS yeah, is vacation might, yeah. Bible. 
Vacation Bible School. I remember um, Vacation Bible School. I, I did that a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have a VeggieTales Vacation Bible School? No, I, it's oh, funny. Man. I really, I never watched much VeggieTales. I, I remember watching like one whole video. Really? Yeah. So okay. that is atypical in evangelical Christianity. Exactly. I was just uh, going to say for for any non-Christian or non-evangelical uh, listeners of this show, VeggieTales is it is a mainstay. It's a staple of evangelical uh, yeah. Christian media for children. It, but but I will say it is kind of a cross-cultural thing. Like non-Christians watch those as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And it's and, talking vegetables, and yes. they. The stories that a lot of them parallel stories from the Bible, right? Right, right. Yeah. There's always they're they're uh, sweet and sour half an hour. That's how the song goes, and uh, yeah. they, <laughs> they have morals and ethics and and uh, you know re- theological teachings. So yes. Any anyway, you know, one of our VBSs was VeggieTales, and my mom made some really cool props and. Oh, nice. Um, so she was always deeply involved with the church too. So um, what would you uh, like? Would you pray uh, regularly, or how yeah. did that how did that manifest? Yeah, so I mean, prayer was just kind of a typical part of the day. Um, we would pray before meals, and often, um, you know, Caitlin or I, Caitlin is my twin sister. One of us would pray along with one of my parents. I think sometimes oh. we would all pray. I can't quite remember. Oh wow! But, would you do um, uh, so? There are various prayers that you know um okay there's the yeah. lord's prayer there's right others uh that i'm blanking on w- would you do things like that or would it be more spontaneous um right right well sam i think an evangelical christian would say that that's a little too dogmatic to say the lord's prayer before before a meal oh okay uh, <laughs> just kidding but uh no wow. it was definitely it was definitely the free-flowing form yeah. prayer that you yeah. know and love today, Sam. Oh yeah, um, yep. The one, the ones that uh, last too long. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, the, it was uh, so. No, we never, we never said like any um, anything from like the Book of Common Prayer or anything. Like yeah, that. yeah, right. No written prayers. No okay. like pre predetermined prayers or anything. It like that. It was all so, just coming from the heart. It was coming from the heart, exactly. Yeah. And, um, like after meals, we would do, we would do Bible time. So we'd, we'd read the Bible or devotional and talk about it. And we would even sing songs sometimes when we were lit, when we were, uh, smaller. Um, so like, do you have any favorite songs or or what were the uh, the most popular ones? You know, I, you're putting me on the spot. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know like, you know, my mom, she had like these little these little pages she designed with like the words of the songs and did little art. And it, I think they were mostly hymns. Okay. Um, So got amazing grace. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to have to cut. You're going to have to uh, come back to me on that one in in a later episode. Maybe I'll talk to my mom about it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you're a little kid singing songs is pretty lit. So yeah, uh, it it was fun, I guess. Um, So yeah, that was, that was my kind of prayer and devotional, um, experience growing up as far as like you know what was my experience with church um yeah and what did you think of it well you know i obviously it was just hard-coded into our family's life since Mm -hmm. uh that was that was my dad's not only vocation but passion career uh his faith you know it's his entire 
it's his entire existence. Um, so it's hard to, it's really hard, I think, for people who don't live in that world to understand that sort of existence where everything about your being is centered around this one thing. Um, yeah, that, that sounds more more intense than what I had growing up. Um, we we would pray before dinner. We did not read the Bible. I, I started reading the Bible on my own because I was interested in like middle school, but it wasn't right. something that I was you know, forced to do by my parents or anything. I, I would say I would, I would clarify, uh, hi mom and dad. If you're, if you're ever going to listen to this, I would clarify, <laughs> yeah. uh, that I never, I don't want to use the word forced. Yeah. Sorry. Because, I, I used that word. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam, you can call words Sam in your mouth. Yeah. You can call Sam's mom and uh, she can reprimand. Him. Yeah. Cause you, uh, you keep talking about how your parents abused you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't forced because that's just what it was. You know, if that makes sense, that's yeah, just how we yeah. grew up. Those are the things we right. did. Right. Um, and they, yeah. they believed these things, they were important in their lives and they wanted exactly. to pass that on to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um, uh, raise up a child in, in the way they should go. And when they are yeah. old, they will not depart from it. I'm failing to remember the, the, the verse so I can cite it, but yeah, uh, you know, the, that was familiar. a Bible verse that was oft quoted growing up. Okay, yeah. So yeah, we spent a lot of time at church. We were there Sundays, a, a good bulk of the day, because my dad would preach multiple sermons. You know, we were there okay. Wednesday nights for youth group and Sunday nights for small groups. Um, was that was that like Bible study or? Yeah, small group was Bible study, and then okay. Wednesday night was uh, youth group, uh, which is it's still you know, you get a Bible lesson and then do some activities and yeah, uh, but, but you were a part of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I went to youth group. Um, I started, it, it was like a middle school and high school thing. Uh, I don't think there was elementary school, uh, youth group, but it was kind of, when I first started going, it was really popular. And so it was just a way to hang out with people and, mm. um, you know, um, I don't know. It was like, it was like the place to be when I was in middle school. And right. then, uh, yeah, in high school I went a lot too because a lot of my friends went and usually you would, there would be some just kind of, uh, like casual hanging out first. Uh, we had an Xbox at my youth group so you could play Halo. Um, dope. Know. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. There was a, a mature video game with lots of violence that you could play at my youth group. Um, wow. And then, yeah, you know, you just hang out, chat with people. And then there would usually be some kind of game, like we would do kickball or like cops and robbers or something like that. Yeah. And then there would be like a 15 minute uh, little sermon. And then we would right. do some worship. So right. we should we should talk more about youth group. I I, I have a lot of thoughts on it. It was an interesting experience. <laughs> that might need to be uh, an, ep an entire episode or maybe even a season, Sam, like church so, uh, yeah. church sub education for youth. Yeah, um, no, I would. Yeah, I think that would be great. I think we should do that. So I'm going to make a note of that. Please do. <laughs> and while you make that note, I, I'm just going to revisit. Uh, so the other thing that I was really involved in growing up in church was music. So I'm, um, I'm a pianist. I, I play keyboards and I played keyboards and synths some and piano, uh, in the praise bands, like the youth praise band, uh, the contemporary 
worship team, sometimes the traditional worship team. So that was another big thing that I was a part of growing up. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, like growing up, probably, probably through middle school, like I just, I, 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 I knew, or, or I should say, I, I fully believed everything that was yeah. taught, that was taught at Sunday school and taught at home and the things my parents were saying and, I never questioned anything religiously, yeah. politically, ideologically. It just made sense, to you. It just made sense. Yeah. like I said, there there was no, um, I had no issue with it because it's all I knew. Right. Oh, um, I I should ask. Did you did you go to public school or to a Christian private school? Public school and you? Uh, same. Yeah. But in, okay. I would. You know, I grew up in a small town, a small right. conservative Christian town. So probably the majority of people at my school were, would identify as Christians, even though it was public though. Okay. Right. Yeah. So definitely grew up in, I would echo that, uh, grew up in a conservative family, grew up in a conservative, yeah. uh, e- Eastern Washington conservative town. Yeah. Um, not, you know, not, uh, well, anyway, not we, we, Seattle. Can get the, um, we can get into politics later, but, yeah. um, yeah, so definitely that kind of conservative environment of of uh, religious tradition and and well and uh, you know American tradition. That's kind of too broad of a term, but I'm trying to be diplomatic about what I say here. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely I definitely get get the vibe that you grew up in, but it must have been harder in a smaller town, especially cause is Sisters Eastern Oregon technically. It's Central Oregon. If you look, okay. if you look on a map, I mean, and it is even it's a bit on the the west side of Central Oregon. Okay, but it's kind of yeah. If the the big divide in Oregon is whether you're on the the west side of the Cascade Mountains or the east side, and we were on the east side. Right. So like once you get to the east side, it's a lot drier and it's a lot more conservative. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, back to your story. Yeah. 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 Um, I never really questioned these these things that were being presented to me. Yeah. Um, until until maybe maybe sometimes in middle school, but really in high school, okay. uh, was when I realized being a pastor's kid was not the norm. I realized the oh. way I was growing up was not normal at all. You know, spending so, so much time at church. Okay, um, so in elementary school, you just didn't you didn't compare notes with your friends. You just didn't no. Realize. Okay. I didn't know. I had huh. no idea that this was a bizarre <laughs> thing. Um, and then in, in middle school, no one really brought it up either. But then in high school, oh. I started feeling like I was being uh, treated differently uh, or interacted with differently because of who my family was, because of uh, the position my dad held. Did, uh, like, did people make fun of you for being a pastor's kid or what are we, what are we no, talking about? I, no, I was never made fun of. Okay. I was... Um, it. I feel like I think the way oft I oftentimes felt like I was held at an arm's distance, like with social oh, things, yeah. Because you know, well, we don't really, and and again, Sam, this is all assumption. Like I don't talk to anyone from high school anymore, yeah. except for my buddy Kale. Um, yeah. But you know, it's kind of an awkward thing. I I would you might be able to speak to it. You know, yeah. It's kind of an awkward thing I assume to have a pastor's kid around because you might assume that he's a goody two shoes and holier than thou and just wants to talk about God and religion all the time. Right. Was yeah. that, did you know any pastor's kids? I, I didn't know any pastor's kids. So my pastor, his kids were much, I, I used to babysit his kids. They, his oh. oldest son was 
like uh, 10 years younger than me or so. So, and yeah, I, I didn't, I did not know any pastor's kids. There were, okay. there was like, um, we had a Christian school that went K through eighth grade. And then all of those people would come to the high school, to the, the secular uh, public high school. So I feel like those people, you, you kind of like knew that they, uh, they might've been, you know, marked out a little bit, but although a lot of them integrated just fine and some, in some cases became <laughs> very, uh, wild in high school, but yeah, yeah. so I, I don't, I'm really not familiar with that dynamic. I, it wasn't until I came to SVU and there were tons of mm. pastors kids everywhere that I, I was like not not even i didn't know any pastors kids before that so okay yeah so yeah um okay but you think people you know i i felt like i was being held at bay in a lot of maybe social circles okay. and did you um, try to did you try to counter those assumptions like did you I, act I did out or swear or whatever i <laughs> did in fact i um i, I would I would say I was a I was not a good representation of well I was I was a bad representation of myself and of my family and particularly okay. of my dad a lot of times in high school. Oh really? And you know there's just a lot of things that I I wish that as with anyone you wish you wouldn't have said or you wish you wouldn't yeah. have done or you could have done things better to really represent who you actually are deep down inside and who yeah. your family is whatever. Uh but but that is when you know, alongside, alongside with those experiences socially, you know, I also started having questions about, about my faith at that time, because my faith wasn't really my faith. It was my parents' faith that I had adopted. Um, and then just to glaze over the rest of the story so we can wrap this up, um, I, we don't have, we don't have all day for this episode. Our listeners are getting bored, but so, uh, really when, when I had, I think my, one of my big first like kickstart shocker moments for, uh, change in my, the religious landscape of my life was, you know, like you mentioned when we, when we went to SPU and, yeah. um, and the very first, one of my very first classes was a biology class with, uh, Dr. Ferrer. And I, one of the very first few days of class, he started teaching, evolution and i was just completely floored and this was he was teaching this as like this is how this is how things happened this is the the truth yeah I, well we were and and i should clarify we weren't even talking about evolution it was just a it was uh we were talking about maybe evolution within a uh within the context of a larger topic but it he was oh. presenting he was presenting a macro evolution oh as sorry could i just interject quickly yeah so if you're at all familiar with intelligent design or creationism, in the in that world, there's a distinction between macroevolution and microevolution. So good, good. that they accept that there is something called microevolution, which is basically um, like genetic variation within a species. So right. um, you know, there can be various mutations that result in. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, well, the, the the basic idea is just there. They agree that there is, there are mutations, but they don't think that those mutations can lead to to macroevolution to new species. You can't go from a single-celled organism to multi-celled organisms to you know mammals and humans. So that exactly. Um, anyway, continue with your story. 
Precisely. Yeah. So I here I am, you know, gr- growing up and I really couldn't even tell you what my parents believed growing up about creation. Oh, um, it, it I didn't know, come up? I know they didn't believe, well, I know they didn't believe in evolution, but I'm not sure when I was little if they believed in like literal six day creation or if they okay. believed in, that's a, just a poetic, um, right. you know, snapshot of what creation actually looked like. They definitely believed that evolution, you know, was kind of detrimental to the the entire the entire purpose of uh, humans, you know, in relationship with God and and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but so here I am, just in awe of what I'm being taught in this uh, in, at this Christian evangelical university by this Christian <laughs> professor who is so excited that he, you know, he's saying how exciting this is to him that this was the vessel that God chose to make, to bring people to into existence. Right. And for him, there was no, there was no problem with, he, he could hold both a scientific and a uh, Christian worldview um, in his classroom and still, you know, he, he wasn't risking any of his, any of his fundamental beliefs either way. So his idea was just, you know, God, we know God, God created, God created everything when yeah. you know evolution just tells us some something about how god did it right that's the idea exactly yeah so really that was uh, that was one of the first times where i i remember having a massive shift and saying i i remember having this conversation with myself you know uh trying to figure out where i was where where maybe i had gone wrong earlier in my beliefs or or what i needed to reevaluate from that yeah. point out and you know just to tie things up um, SPU was where those four years was where the bulk of my, uh, the, the change of my religious landscape happened. And I'm sure that we will do maybe an SPU episode yeah, um, we Sam, should. to really plumb, plumb those ideas and, and, and those experiences because you and I had a lot of those together, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think we should do a whole series on, on, uh, evangelical education or something like that, where we could talk about youth group and evangelical colleges. I, I, I did want to right. ask before we, we wrap up your, your story. So sure. when, at what point did you say, I'm not sure that I even believe that God exists anymore. Like I'm an agnostic. Mm. How, did that happen at SPU or was that afterwards? Uh, if, if it was the first time I said it out loud to anyone, that would have been, uh, the summer of 2013 after graduation. And I said to, uh, my now wife, Sydney, who was at the time, just my girlfriend. And it was this fearful encounter of, well, she might not want to be with me anymore. Oh, wow. Um, but, but as far as like when I actually, um, understood it, you know, mentally before I said the words out loud, um, I don't, I don't really know. I think it must have been, you know, maybe halfway ish through SPU, but yeah. uh, what about you? Yeah. I, I remember in my junior year, I think it was in the spring, I was taking a class and they asked us, they, they asked us various questions about God. And, uh, one of the questions was just, do you believe that God exists? And you, there were four responses one was like, I'm almost sure that God exists. One was like 51% sure. One was like 49% sure. And then one was like, I'm almost certain that God doesn't exist. And I said I was 
51% confident that God exists. So at that point, wow. that was, I thought that was the closest to how I felt. I, I still, I still thought God existed, but I didn't think I was much above 50% in my confidence of that. That's a fascinating way to phrase that question. Do you know why it was, why those yeah. uh, numbers were assigned that I, way? I don't know. I think the idea was just like, you know, I'm really confident. I am a bit more confident that God exists than that he doesn't, mm. or I'm a bit more confident that he doesn't exist, or I am really confident that he... I, I think that, yeah, I I don't know why they didn't... It really forces, it forces you your to, hand into really seriously considering, uh, you know, if you had to weigh the if you had to weigh the value of your belief and, and how much you actually cling to it and how much you actually truly believe it. Uh, I guess that that question is the perfect way to get to that answer, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I remember taking a class my senior year, uh, that was, a, it was a philosophy of religion class. And we read a book by professor Lehman, the, the professor, um, where he argues for the existence of God and I remember thinking that it was a, a really good book, but I thought most of the arguments I was not convinced by. And, and I kind of, at that point, I was really like, ah, I, I, I think, I think the, the balance of the evidence goes against belief in God, you know? So, hmm. um, that m- might've been the point where it really kind of, I don't know, that was, that was one of the, the, the final nails in the, in the coffin, I guess. That's fascinating. I didn't know that story about that that survey question. So that's awesome, and I'd love yeah. to talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so here we are. Uh, this is yep. our this is our first episode. Um, you know, thanks everyone again for kind of tuning in and, and sticking with us as we yeah. as we kind of improvise our way through these yeah. episodes. Um, I know that we probably skipped a lot of things we should have included, uh, but we have but, time. You know, we'll, we'll, we have we'll time. We'll return and to some of these topics. Don't we you will worry. return to these topics, and and we'll return to more you know specific stories about you know growing up through our, our life in the Christian church, yes. the Christian evangelical church. But stay tuned for episode number two coming out three weeks from now, which will kick off our first mini series on evangelical Christianity and sexuality. Oh boy. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys.